You can be seated. Well, as I alluded to earlier, we're in a series. The series is entitled Blueprint, God's Design for the Church. And last week, we, we began to tackle uh, what, what in our culture may be a little bit of a touchy subject. <laughs> and, and so, so really, the, the reason, you know, Paul is writing to Pastor Timothy. Timothy is a, the pastor at a church in Ephesus. And Paul is writing to him, and, and he's helping him, as Timothy pastors his church, Paul is giving him instructions for the church. And, and Paul comes to this part, and this, this is just one of those passages that you just got to read it and kind of unpack it a little bit. And, and so we did that last week. Let me just give you uh, just a quick little recap in, in case you weren't here or in case uh, you slept at least a couple of times between last Sunday and, and today. Uh, first of all, the, the bottom line is this. The bottom line is that God works when we work in his design. And, and that is to say that God has designed all of creation. Uh, it, it just amazes me as I talk with, with people, and, and it's usually people who are really interested in sciences, and, 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 and they say, you know, that, that everything happened by chance. And as we look at the world around us, we realize that that just cannot be. There's so much design, and, and not just design, there's intricate design in everything that we see. And, and so that that's not, shouldn't be a surprise to us that God is the great designer. Um, you know, they talk about the laws of physics. He wrote the laws. And, and it's so cool if you ever get into this. I, I'm one of these weird people. I, I love science. I love astronomy. I, I just love to, 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 to really look at all that. We live in a great place for it. Uh, you can walk outside, and, and it's usually not cloudy, and, and you can see more stars. Uh, I, I thought that I saw stars in Dallas-Fort Worth as a kid growing up. Those are probably planets because I realize that most of the stars just aren't bright enough to see in the city lights. But we get to see that whether you're looking at the vast expanse of the heavens through astronomy or, or whether you're looking at a microscope and, and see the intricate design with the smallest of molecules of cells and even down to the atoms. It's obvious, it's apparent that God is a God of design. And, and he didn't just stop with that part of creation. It goes through all of creation and it includes us. So God had a design when he created us, when he created male and female, he created us that way. And he created us with a design. What we talked about last week was that uh, we, we went to the creation part where God created um, Adam and he said, it's not good for man to be alone. And I laugh every time I read that because we know that's like really true. Uh, we can get into so much trouble alone, guys. So, so God looked at Adam and, and he said, it's not good for man to be alone. So he created Eve and, and the word that's used in, in the Hebrew, in the Old Testament there, um, I like the translation help meet. Because what it, really, what it really says is that God created woman actually to, to complement man. And, and, and it's different from all of the other of crea God's creation. Uh, God created uh, everything else by speaking. When he gets to man, it says that God formed man. That's a, the word uh, that uh, you might use of a potter. Uh, making something out of clay, he formed man from the dust of the ground. And then God took a rib from Adam to make Eve. That is, that is the integral nature of male and female that God has created. He's created us to complement one another. And so we, we get to this part and we get to this, uh, do people still say the word gnarly? We get to this gnarly, um, gnarly passage here that, that, 
That, and, and here's the difficulty that we have with passages like this in Scripture. Uh, we are really informed by our culture. I don't know if you knew that or not. Our culture presses in on us all the time. If you watch TV at all, if you watch movies at all, if you listen to any talk shows or watch any of the, the talk shows on TV, you don't even have to go there. If you're in contact with people, um, you are being informed by culture. And our culture is counter what God's word says. And, and, and this isn't new. That's been happening since scripture was written. In the Old Testament, um, that some people would say that Judaism evolved out of some of the other religions, you know, the ancient religions. Not so. From the beginning, Judaism says, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And that was radical in the culture that it came out in. Because there were many gods, nobody, nobody else said in that culture that there is one God. And so it's always been countercultural. So it shouldn't surprise us uh, that when we get to the New Testament that it's the same way. Um, what Paul writes here is countercultural. We'll unpack that in just a moment. But also that as we look into our current culture, what God's word says goes against culture. Because we live in a broken, we live in a fallen world. And so God is redeeming the world to himself through Christ. I think I've stalled long enough. Let's just read the passage. Um, uh, let me remind you, this is not one of those nudge your neighbor um, messages. Particularly men, if you're sitting next to your wife, um, don't nudge your wife uh, at, at any point in here. Wives, you feel free to go ahead and nudge. Um, we, need, we need that a lot as guys. Here's what Paul says, 2 Timothy chapter 2, beginning in verse, I'm sorry, 1 Timothy chapter 2, beginning in verse 11. Paul says, let a woman learn quietly with all submissiveness. All right, let's just pray and go home. No. Yeah. Is that countercultural? I challenged them in the early service, I challenge you uh, to, to do it here, but don't tell them that I told you to say it or that you got it from here. Um, walk about halfway down Borough Street. That's going to put you right about at the bar. And you yell this verse out. <laughs> chicken. Me too. Um, I'm a chicken when it comes to that. Paul didn't stop there. Uh, we'll unpack that in a moment. He says, I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. She used to remain quiet. Now, I know, I know, I know. It sounds, even when I say it and I look out at you, I'm making sure no one brought any tomatoes with you. <laughs> that really goes against our culture. But do you know what? That went against Paul's culture too. You see, for us, when Paul says that, that a woman, let a woman learn quietly with all submissiveness, we see that as taking women down a notch. In Paul's culture, that was raising women up because the idea that a woman could study and learn theology was, it was unheard of. Nobody, nobody in that culture would have said, oh yes, women are to learn and understand theology, God's word. Women can know the word of God and understand it. Nobody said that but Paul. Paul did. Jesus did the same thing. He raised women. Uh, he elevated women in his culture. You don't believe me, do you? Well, you like, do the research on your own. That was revolutionary 
That was a revolutionary thought. And then he gets to this one and he says, I, I think the first one was sticking a knife in and twisting it a little maybe. Um, I do not permit a woman to teach or exercise authority over the man, over a man. Rather, she used to remain silent. And, and I almost expect a gasp. Huh? Somebody said that out loud. And, and if Paul were to stop there, I included, but, but we would be tempted to say that must have been a cultural thing that Paul says. That, that must have been born out of the culture. Paul is giving in Timothy this instruction because of the culture that he's in. And if Paul had stopped there, if, if we're not informed uh, somewhere else in Scripture about this principle, we actually are. Uh, I'll read those passages. But, but if that's all we had and Paul stopped there, then, then we would probably say that must have been because of the culture that he was in. But Paul does something in this next verse that helps us out. It helps us understand um, the, the background behind this. Paul takes it out of the realm of culture and moves to creation. Here's what he says. He says, for Adam was formed first and then Eve. Now, I know that that doesn't make it easier for some of you, but as a pastor, bringing God's word to you, that makes it easier for me because Paul clarifies that. Now, I would say this was also part of the culture. But when Paul pointed to a creation thing, he takes it out of the realm of culture and puts it into principle. You, you see, there's a principle here, and, and, and stay with me, don't, don't check out yet. Um, I'm afraid that some might have checked out last week, and hopefully they'll listen online um, to the second part of this. But, but Paul points to this idea of God's design. Now, I, I want to remind you, we said this last week, when we're talking about this, we're not talking about value. We're not talking about worth. We're not even talking about at all. But God in his design has made the man responsible. And, and I, I promise you, ladies, men may never say this, but I'll go ahead and say it for, for them. There are many times when we probably wish that weren't true. We... I can't tell you how many times that, that I've just had to thought, why didn't God make the wife the leader? That would just be so much easier. <laughs> but Paul points to a creation thing. And I know that, that birth order, or, or in this case creation order, that's not such a big deal to us unless you're a twin. You guys know any twins? You, 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 you ask them who was born first. They will tell you to the second. <laughs> Well, I was born two minutes and 37 seconds before she was. <laughs> it's, a, it's a big deal. It was a big deal even in the Hebrew culture. But it's a big deal in God's design. He, he did that for a reason. Now, some of you may be thinking, I think you're pushing that just a little bit. Well, Paul doesn't just go to creation, the created order, God's design and thing. But the next verse points to something else. Let me, let me show you. He says in verse 14, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor. Now, we know the rest of the story. Um, she gave to her husband who was with her, and he ate also. But listen, so in there, even though Eve sinned first, now it may be one of those twin things, you know, by two minutes and 37 seconds. Uh, even though Eve sinned first, 
when God comes walking in the cool of the day, a picture of fellowship of God with man, when he comes, Adam and Eve hear him and they go and hide. Who does God call to? He called Adam, didn't he? Now, did God not know who ate first? Of course he did. In fact, much to Adam's chagrin, God knew which tree Adam was hiding behind. I don't know why he thought that was going to work. Sin just really messes with you, I guess, is the thing. And Adam's hiding behind the tweet. The twee. <laughs> wow. So we started with VBS and in youth camp and in children's camp. Okay, anyway, so he was hiding behind the tree. I actually had a speech impediment as a kid. I couldn't say my R's. When your name is Larry, that's rough. <laughs> the first five years of my life, my name was Lowey. a whole nother story but anyways the tree when i was taking speech in first grade i would get a candy for that the tree um that adam was hiding behind uh, god knew but god god came and called and he said adam where are you now god knew but he wanted adam to see he called for adam and adam said oh well we heard you coming and we hid because we were naked. And then God said, Adam, who told you you were naked? And I said this last week, but it's true. That was probably the first time that man said, I should have let my wife do the speaking. Because he realized he gave himself away. They had sinned, and their eyes were open. And then God comes to Eve. But he holds Adam accountable. And, and Paul points to that as he talks about, th this is, Paul's giving us a principle here. And again, it doesn't have to do with ability. It doesn't have to do with value. It doesn't have to do with worth. I know that when we talk about stuff like this, you can say, you know what? I know women that are far better leaders than men. And I'd say, you're right. I know. <laughs> I know women who teach way better than men. And I'd say, yep. And you'd say, I know women who can preach way better than you can. And I'd say, I bet you. <laughs> it's not an ability thing. It's not a value thing. It's not a worth thing. It's just a design thing. It's just the way God created it. Here's what he says. When Paul points to, to um, the, the fall, there, there's one, one part at the end of, or toward the end of Genesis chapter 3, where God's kind of, depending on how you look at it, giving the, the judgment for sin or the consequences of sin. There's one part in there that, that really will help us understand one of the reasons this is so difficult for us. Um, it says that, and he's talking to Eve, your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. You guys remember that? We don't like that word rule unless we're the ruler. And then we, we like it. Um, or the rule maker. But and, and it, at first glance to me, I, I remember early on as a Christian, I'm, I'm reading that and I'm thinking, well, gosh, you know, it, her desire is for him to love him. And he's going to like rule. And that word rule is like an iron fisted kind of rule. Unfortunately, that's been the case at times, hasn't it? And so, so that experience makes that hard for us. Because, guys, sometimes we just stink 
Sometimes we can be jerks. And everybody has had the experience of somebody who abused the authority that was given to them. Maybe it was a boss. Maybe it was a family member. Might have been your parents. Could be, have been your, your husband. And, and so our experience makes it hard for us. Our culture makes it hard for us. But there's another thing in here. So what that, the, the way that that reads in, in the original language is that the woman's desire will be, will be to be over her husband. The word there, over, is a reaching word. So, so your desire, God is saying, look, because of sin now, whereas before sin you guys had perfect harmony and unity in your marriage, the two will become one flesh, you guys had that, but now because of sin, Eve, here's what's going to happen. You're going to have this desire to be over your husband, and yet he is going to rule you. And, and even in the best of relationships, the best of marriages, there's a tension. And it goes back to Genesis chapter 3. And, and that's one reason it makes it hard for us. But Paul not only refers to uh, a created or, or a design kind of thing uh, here in Timothy, but he does it again in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3. Here's what he says. But I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ. The head of a wife is her husband, and the head of Christ is God. Now, I know we're like, what? <laughs> we know that Christ will forever be the head of the church. Is that it, right? You agree? That doesn't change. Nowhere in Scripture. We know that God will forever be the head of Christ. Doesn't change. That's not a created thing, it's just a it is thing. In fact, that's funny, uh, whenever we, we see uh, a man and, and woman in a hierarchy kind of way, we always think of value and worth, right? And yet, do you realize that exists in a trinity? God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. There's a hierarchy, and it's always that way. God the Father is, is the head, it says it right here. Then we have God the Son. And then the Holy Spirit points to Christ, to, to the Son. Even in the Trinity, who are all equal, right? In fact, they're all one. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. There is a hierarchy in there. I don't know how that works. Um, the best way that I've heard it described is a first among equals. They are equal, and yet Jesus willingly submits himself to the headship of God. The Holy Spirit willingly submits himself to, to Christ. It, it's just the way it is. So Paul says it in 1 Corinthians, but he also says something, again, this is not a, a nudge your neighbor um, verse, but, but here's what he says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22, 22 through 27. He says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. And guys, we always stop there, don't we? <laughs> because we're like, yeah, that's right, woman, submit. Well, you guys with broken arms and black eyes say that. And, and we like that, guys. If you admit that, you like the way that reads. Women don't, because women have seen men... Be jerks and abuse their authority. That goes back to the fallen state, that iron-fisted kind of rule. 
They may have experienced it themselves. They may have experienced it from you. But that's not the way God wants it. He wants the wives to submit to the husbands as the head. But look, guys, what he says for us. He says, verse 25, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. You see, here's the thing, men. If we, if we acted toward our wives like Jesus acts toward the church, they wouldn't have any problem submitting. Jesus was never a jerk. Jesus never abused his authority. Jesus never did the iron-fisted rule kind of thing with his church. That's not the relationship he has. So, so men, if we would be that, if we would be like Christ is to the church, to our wives, they wouldn't have a problem. The reason they have a problem is because we haven't been, and then culture jumps in, they've experienced it for themselves. Culture says, you know, that... Uh, that the, the theological term is, term is egalitarianism, that women and men interchange roles, and yet that's not God's creation. It's not his design. Are you guys ready to move quick now? Here's the deal. God designed men and women differently. Can I get an amen? Yeah. Yeah. If you look at me, you look at my wife, you're like, boy, good thing for her, you know. And that just doesn't mean physically, it means emotionally, it means the way we process things mentally. We are different, and because of that, or maybe with that in mind, God created us differently and he gave us different roles. We have different responsibilities. That's all that means. Good grief, that's only the first page. We're going to move really fast. When it comes to authority, which is really the principle here, this is, this is a principle of authority. When it comes to authority, God's design trumps our ability. I just want to remind you of that. This isn't an ability thing. This isn't because guys can do this better, that's why. No. It, when it comes to authority, God's design trumps our ability. So, so here's what we need to get. That God knows what he's doing, and he's the great designer. This is the way he designed it. And when we don't function according to God's design, then things don't function as they should. Um, I, I admitted this to you last week. Some of you weren't here. I hate to admit this, because guys, we don't like to admit when we do anything wrong, especially when it's really dumb. Um, but one time, I have a Ford F-250 diesel 7.3 liter engine. Right? Wow, you weren't impressed with that at all. And I was in a hurry one time. We were getting ready to head out of town. And I pulled over to Allsup's and I got gas. And I went in to get the ticket. And I said, I need a receipt for number six. And they said, don't you mean number nine? I said, nope. I wasn't looking upside down. I mean number six. And they said, well, number nine's the diesel. A few hundred dollars later, and my truck still works. But not on gasoline, it doesn't. When we function within God's design, things function better. When we don't, then they don't function like they should. So, so here's, here's the principle that, that Paul is giving to us, and it's based on, on God's design in, in authority. The principle is that a woman should not teach or exercise authority over a man. 
And, and, and it's left to us to, to find the application for that. So that's the principle. And, and it's one of authority that women shouldn't really exercise authority over a man because that's, that's outside of God's design. And so let me read for you quickly. This is fun reading. If, if you just want to go online, you can go to sbc.net, I think it is. The Baptist Faith and Message actually kind of addresses this, helps apply this, um, at least in one particular area in our church. So the Baptist Faith and Message, this is article number six, because they like to do stuff like that, uh, make articles. Um, it's called The Church. Here's what it says. A New Testament church of the Lord Jesus Christ is an autonomous local congregation of baptized believers associated by covenant in the faith and fellowship of the gospel, observing the two ordinances of Christ, governed by his laws, exercising the gifts, rights, and privileges invested in them by his word, and seeking to extend the gospel to the ends of the earth. Each congregation operates under the lordship of Christ through democratic processes. In such a congregation, each member is responsible and accountable to Christ as Lord. So far, in there, it's talking about everybody together. This is men and women, and it's just talking about us as believers. It gets to, to one thing here, which is a preface for the next statement. It's scriptural officers are pastors and deacons. That means there are two ordained positions in the Baptist church, and that's pastors, some call them elders. The Bible calls them elders. We call them pastors. Pastors and deacons, those are the two ordained positions uh, in the church. And it, set, it said that to say this one. While both men and women are gifted for service in the church, the office of pastor is limited to men as qualified by Scripture. So, so that makes an application for us. But you know what? That's as far as our denomination goes in this. To the chagrin of many churches, I'm sure. <laughs> so what it's saying here, and, and Paul, by the way, is saying this, this, this passage at the end of chapter 2 is for chapter 3, when he talks about the elders, the pastors. What, what he's saying, what, what, what our, our statement of faith is saying, is that we believe that because of this principle in Scripture, that pastors should be men because they are exercising authority. In fact, one of the things a pastor does that a deacon doesn't do is they have to be able to teach. And it's saying because of this principle, um, the application our denomination has made is that men have to be pastors. I'm sorry, pastors have to be men. Not every man has to be a pastor, but that every pastor has to be a man. Actually, every man should pastor his family. That's another, another message for another time. That's, and that's where they stop. Now, we make one more application. And, and here's the thing, that, that in here, understanding the principle, and we should do this with everything in God's word, get to the principle and, and say, how does this apply? How does this apply to us? When we do this in this particular area, then, then you draw a line somewhere to, to, in order to, to observe this principle. Um, our denomination has done that as far as pastors go. Um, when I was talking with churches in Texas, this is a, a big, big thing uh, among the Baptist denomination um, and their state conventions. And, and they would ask me, so where are you on this, this subject? And this was 15 years ago. Where are you on this? You, you think it's okay for a woman to be a pastor? I said, well, if you call me as your pastor, it's not really an issue, is it? But I believe that that's what Scripture teaches, and, and we'll see that as we, as we go 
a little bit more, but Paul's laying the foundation here. We make one more application. And, and this, one, this one is a little bit harder, um, but, but this is where we kind of draw the line for us as a church. And, and I know when I say this, some of you may say, well, I don't think we have to do that. And you may be right. We might get to heaven and, and, and you go out and you run up and ask Jesus. That might be the thing you ask him. Um, but was that all right? And Jesus saw, oh, you know, you, you didn't have to draw the line there. You know, you drew it back a little further than you needed. That's okay. I want to make sure that we are observing this principle. And I know where we draw the line, it's safe. Are you guys ready? Some of you. Some of you may not be. So, so we would say, our other application, is that in studies which include men, that men should be the lead teacher. Does that make sense? And, and I know you might be saying, I don't know, there are women who are better teachers. I know there are. I know. And this isn't saying that a woman can't, can't participate, can't teach, can't give, in, or, or, well, in that kind of way, give input in. Uh, what it's saying is that, the, that to observe this principle that we believe that it ought to be a man who's responsible for that class, responsible for the teaching in that class. Now, in all honesty, and I said this in an early service, I'll say it again for this one, I didn't, I didn't like talk with our, our church leadership about this, but in all honesty, if I'm teaching an adult Sunday school class that has men and women in it, and there's something in there that I think this would come from a woman a lot better, I'm probably going to let her teach that lesson. Does that make sense to you? But in that case, the, the authority thing, it's still under the authority of a man. I know that just sounds weird when I say it. But in order to observe this principle, that, that's one further application that we've made. And we might get to heaven and God might say, Larry, you didn't have to do that. And I said, my, my answer is going to be, because I give an account for this church, by the way, to Jesus. My answer is going to be, I just wanted to make sure that we didn't violate the principle that you laid out for us in Scripture. Maybe I was a little too cautious. That's right. In high school, my nickname was Stuffy because I wouldn't do anything fun. Um, the three of us freshmen, hey, let's go break into these vacant dorms and go climb. No, I don't want to get in trouble. You know? That's okay. Doesn't have to do with value. It doesn't have to do with worth. It doesn't have to do with ability. It, it, it has everything to do with our desire to obey this principle. Our desire to, to work within God's design. Because we know, we know that God works when we work within his design. My truck works way better. Actually, it doesn't work at all with gasoline. It works with diesel. That's the way it's designed. Somebody told me you could use like, the oil or grease from, um, like, you, I want to get some from McDonald's, so I smell like McDonald's french fries when I drive around, but I'm not going to try that. That's not exactly the way that truck was designed, and I learned my lesson. That makes sense to you guys? Um, and and so, so, that's what we want to do. We want to remember that God works when we work in his design, and, and, and we want to seek to do that. We want to seek to do that in our marriages. We, we want to function as God designed us as husband and wife. 
And I know, I know, our culture, like they want to redefine everything. I want to to go with the way God designed it. I I want us to parent and grandparent within God's design. That is that the parents are the primary influencers in their child's life. I know we don't feel like it. That's, that's actually true. God designed it that way. I, I want us, I want us to, to function within God's design as families. Not only the way that we parent our kids, but the way we operate together as a family. And, and as pastor, I want us to work within God's design as a church. I want us to function as God designed us to function as a church. Now, you may be thinking, I know some things that aren't like functioning right. We're working on those. And whenever we bump up against something that we say, you know, that's not the way that it ought to be. I, my prayer is that we have the courage and the boldness to say, you know what? I know we've been doing that that way. We need to make a change because we want to do what God's word says. And maybe we get a little overcautious in some areas. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. As long as we are seeking to follow God's design, I think we're going to be good. And God's going to move, and he's going to work. And things will work better when we do. I know you might be thinking, well, this is like a great message because we don't have anything that we have to go do after this. Well, let me give you a couple of things. (laughs) I know, huh? Men... I want to challenge you to be the kind of godly man that your wife would have no problem following. In fact, I challenge you, and it's a challenge for me, to follow Jesus so closely that we can say, honey, follow me as I follow Christ. That's what Paul says to us, be imitators of me as I imitate Christ, that that we can walk so closely with Jesus that she doesn't have to worry about us being a jerk or abusing that authority. That, that she would follow us the same way that she would follow Christ. Because we're following him so closely. You know, you know what the result of that would be in our church? We wouldn't have to, and this is an epidemic across our nation. Um, there, there is a shortage of pastors. There's not a shortage of guys who want to be but there's a shortage of guys who are qualified to be. Guys, I would love it if every single man in this church, and we know there has to be a call too, but the other qualifications, if every single man in this church would say, you know what, I I would humbly say that I meet all the qualifications for a pastor. What usually happens is we've got those standards up here for the pastor and then all the other guys get to hover around here. That's not what Scripture says. Guys, let's be the men of God that he, that he wants us to be. Let's be the men of God that our wives want us to be and our children. Ladies, not going to let you off. <laughs> My challenge to you is, is dive as deep into ministry in the life of the church as God calls you to. Over the years, this is just historical, we have two, uh, two offerings, um, seasonal offerings in our, our convention. You know what they are? 
We have the, the Christmas offering is who? Lottie Moon. And the Easter offering is who? Annie Armstrong. Neither one of those was a guy. Because they would have had to be tough with those names. Um, because those were women who led the way in our denomination in missions. I honestly, well, I think I know why there's not a, a missions offering named after a guy. Because guys, we too often just kind of back off from that. But thank God for women who don't. Women, we need you in the life and ministry of this church. You are vital in the life and ministry of this church. Don't back off. In fact, step it up. Uh, here's what I want you to do. Um, be nipping the heels of your husband in ministry. <laughs> Push him just a little further than he's going now. Encourage him, cajole him, admonish him in ministry by the way that you do ministry. And, and ladies, we need that same thing at home. God said it's not good for man to be alone because he makes stupid decisions. That last part was from me. But, but, but your husbands need you. God has created us so that we fit together, that we complement one another. And, and the men are the one who are going to stand and, and be accountable to God. I know that that's true. Scripture says that God did it with, with Adam and he's going to do it with us. But he didn't, do, he didn't create it. He didn't design it so that we do this alone. We can't do this without you. We can't be the man of God that he's called us to be without you. We, we need that in our homes. We need it in our families. We need it in our church. Lord knows we need it in our nation. Don't back off. Let's pray. Lord, I, I know that sometimes this is, this is a hard message. It goes so contrary to culture. And, and, and even when I say it out loud, knowing that it comes from your word, it just sounds weird to say, wives, submit to your husbands. It's so countercultural for us. And we bump into it everywhere. And, and yet, God... When we operate according to your design, you, you work in that. and You've not only called wives to submit to their husbands, but husbands to love their wives as Christ loved the church. And, and, and God, that, that's the foundation. But that carries over into the church. Lord, help us to be faithful in following your word. Help us to be faithful in your design. God, I, I pray that you'd give us courage and boldness in our families that when we're, if we're operating outside of your design, that, that God, when you show that to us, that, that we just admit it and we just, just step back in and make whatever adjustments we need to make to, to be able to follow your word. And God, I pray that you'd give us that same courage and boldness to do that as a church. Even if it's something we've done for 100 years, this church is over 100 years old. Even if it's something we've done for 100 years, if we come to the place, God, where we realize that that's been operating out of your design, that we would seek to step back into your design, no matter what changes have to be made or what adjustments, that we would seek to be faithful to the way that you've created us. And God, all of that, even though it benefits us, it isn't for our benefit. It just allows us to do what you've called us to do as a church, and that is to take the gospel, the good news that Jesus came to save sinners, that he came to redeem us from our sin, that we get to take that news to a world that desperate, desperately needs that.
Father, that's our desire. Now we pray that, Lord, you would enable us to do that. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.